Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Mint. I am Nasreen Sultana. I am an assistant editor at Mint. I keep a close track of all that is happening in the world of stock markets. You are listening to All Things Markets where I speak to experts analyzing the big trends moving the stock markets. Sustainable funds showed resilience during the COVID-19 pandemic market sell-off. Driven by growing investor interest in environmental, social and governance issues, the global sustainable fund universe pulled in around $45.6 billion in the first quarter of 2020. The last three years have seen a steady increase in assets in sustainable funds. Assets remain dominated by Europe, however, accounting for over 80% of the global sustainable fund universe. Currently, with many funds now formally considering ESG factors in a non-constraining way to mitigate risk and to find opportunities, Europe is by far the most developed and diverse ESG market. But what is the ESG investing scenario in India? Can you make money by ESG investing in India? To understand that, I am joined by Abhay Lajawala, Managing Director and Fund Manager, Avendus Capital Private Markets Alternative Strategies. Hi Abhay, welcome to the show. Hi Nasreen, thank you very much for uh, having me on this show. So Abhay, there's a lot of conversation about in responsible investing and ESG since you've been involved with the ESG funds uh, for some time in India. So could you take us through how big is the ESG market in India in both terms of opportunities and in size? So, uh... Excellent question. But to give you a perspective on India, let me just give you a very quick perspective on what's happening globally on ESG. And then, you know, I'll give you a sense on India. ESG as a style of investing has been becoming more and more popular over the past few years. But in 2020, uh, we saw an exceptional year for ESG funds, uh, which attracted record inflows. So the point I'm trying to make is that uh, more and more investors around the world are now embracing ESG. And consequently, this is now beginning to come to India. So while ESG is very nascent to India, India will have to hit the ground running uh, on ESG. So it's very encouraging to see that uh, in the last two years, uh, we have seen, uh, uh, I think, almost uh, five to six uh, ESG funds uh, come up across the AIF, BMS, and the mutual fund uh, platforms. So today, I think we have uh, four or five on the mutual fund platforms. We, who are you know, the first ESG fund, uh, came up on the AIF platform and now have a BMS product. Uh, So totally, I think the assets uh, under management still very, very low. Uh, I would would think that total assets uh, under management in ESG uh, stand only at around, uh, I think, around uh, 5,000 to uh, maybe around 6,000 crores. But uh, I do think that these will 
grow substantially. Uh, so, so this is as far as India is concerned. But we should not lose sight of the fact that as more and more foreign institutional investors uh, embrace the ESG style of investing, we are already beginning to see uh, this style of investing reflect in investment behavior of uh, you know many of the stocks that we see in India. So ESG in India is not just being driven by domestic institutional investors, but is already in full play because most of the large international investors are already investing under the ESG style of investing. Right. Uh, but Abhay, as you also mentioned, that India has, is actually now catching up with the developed countries. Uh, why is uh, that India took so long uh, to kind of realize that responsible investing should be part of somebody's as an investor's portfolio? You know, if, if we are lacking behind uh, in both in terms of funds, also in terms of uh, in terms of years, uh, if you look at the European uh, funds, uh, there are a lot in number, uh, in size, and uh, also in interest. So, what what uh, took so long for India to kind of catch up to this global phenomenon? So, a uh, very good question. But here, I would like to say it isn't just India, which has uh, you know lagged on ESG implementation and embracing the ESG style of investing. Uh, I think it was all of Asia. ESG was pioneered uh, in Europe uh, sometime around, uh, you know, it started, uh, we had earlier, we had impact investing, which moved on to integrated investing sometime around 2007, 2008. And Europe uh, really became a pioneer on ESG. And then you had the United States uh, come in a little bit, but Asia had always lacked. Uh, I think what's 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 really happened in the last few years is that more and more investors have looked at investing in ESG products. And I think all over the world, as climate change, income inequality, environmental related issues are becoming more and more prevalent, the entire investing universe is asking to uh, for, for investment products that are seen as sustainable. And as the awareness has increased on many of these ESG variables, as I mentioned, uh, gender diversity, income disparities, climate change mitigation, governance, uh, you know, investors are beginning to uh, look for products that have a sustainable footprint. In addition, what I would say has probably been a very big driver uh, in Asia as well is that variables such as climate change mitigation and the regulatory focus towards uh, climate change mitigation has increased. For example, in India itself, we are beginning to see climate change related factors impact our daily lives. More and more Indian investors are now beginning to see that climate change is not, you know, something that happens in academia. Uh, everyone is seeing uh, what's happening in terms of our excessive monsoons, 
the prevalence of uh, cyclones in the Arabian Sea and, and uh, in, in, in the Bay of Bengal, uh, we are beginning to witness summers that are far, far hotter. So effectively, the realization that we need to mitigate climate change. In addition, over the last few years, as a result of uh, uh, Europe, embracing ESG funds earlier on, investors are also beginning to see that ESG is not just a feel-good. ESG is a source of alpha generation. And, and you know, there is, there is uh, no surprise in this because uh, what is good for the planet is also good profits and therefore uh, it also becomes a variable for alpha generation. So a combination of these factors, i.e. awareness on environmental issues, the need to embrace gender diversity, income disparities, the expected move by regulators towards mitigating climate change, and more importantly, or rather I would say most importantly, the fact that ESG has, is seen as a source of alpha generation have led to ESG uh, you know, being uh, embraced uh, not only in all of Asia, but in India as well. Right. So, uh, Abhay, you almost preempted my question. Uh, the, you know, there is a curiosity that uh, can you make money while investing in ESG? Uh, because, of course, it is impact investing. Also, you will consider a lot of uh, issues like your corporate governance, how much is the carbon emission and uh, how much socially responsible the company is. So considering all the parameters and this is very strict parameters. So considering all of this, if you can take us through what kind of returns ESG funds have given, at least in India, for the last two, three years, and uh, also the question that can you really make money in ESG funds? Uh, this is a very good question, and I'm very happy that you asked. Uh, because what I want to uh, bring out over here is ESG is very different from impact investing. So while ESG uh, originated from impact investing. The integrated style of ESG investing is uh, you know, a source of alpha generation. And the difference between impact and integrated ESG is that in impact investing, you are investing solely with the objective of delivering an impact. Alpha, alpha generation is not a corollary objective. It may happen, it may not happen. But integrated ESG is all about delivering a sustainable impact while generating alpha. And, you know, let me, let me tell you why that happens. That primarily happens because in the integrated ESG style of investing, you look at investing from a stakeholder perspective relative to just a shareholder perspective. So you're looking at a 360 degree perspective where you're looking at traditional financial parameters, but you're equally looking at the non-financial factors such as governance, how a company 
interacts uh, with society, with the regulator, how it treats employees, and most importantly, is it deemed to be resilient to the many disruptions that are going to come up in future. So all of this actually helps you to identify companies which are responsible and which are resilient to the risks. It also helps you find companies that are uh, you know, seeing the opportunities that are likely to come up over the next couple of years because we are seeing that there is a lot of change that's happening in the world. So let me give you the experience of uh, our own fund. We had started this fund in February of 19, and now we've moved from an AIF to a PMS. But in the time period that we've had so far, our fund has outperformed the benchmark Nifty index by almost 7%. And this gives us a lot of confidence that uh, ESG not only works well in India, but is very much a source of alpha generation. Many of the other funds have come up far later than us. So we don't uh, necessarily have a longer term track record. But uh, we have seen that uh, you know, some of these ESG funds uh, have generated uh, alpha as well. So in our case, as I said, the alpha has been as much as 7%. And, you know, in the 19 months since we've launched, or rather now it'll be almost two years since we've launched the fund, uh, we've had a pandemic, we've had a massive rally, we had a time period during which the largest company in the Indian index almost doubled in value. That was a fossil fuel company, which we are not investing in. And despite those variables, if, been, if we have been able to generate alpha in our ESG fund, it gives us a lot of confidence that ESG investing is a source of alpha generation. Right. Uh, after uh, COVID, uh, you know, it's a global pandemic, which hit uh, not only India, but uh, all the global companies as well. Do you think in India, particularly, uh, particularly uh, fund managers and companies have become more, uh, have got reawakened to those uh, EHG norms or uh, companies are getting realigned, they're realigning their business policies and strategies uh, to be ESG compliant? Uh, how do you think is the ecosystem in India? about the ESG investment and also for companies to be ESG compliant? Uh, you know, to be very honest, uh, we were seeing the uh, driving factors for uh, uh, ESG ecosystem in India beginning to build before the pandemic. And yes, uh, since the pandemic, uh, you know, we are seeing we are seeing some kind of an acceleration, but the system was uh, beginning to uh, come up very well. So let me let me just give you some uh, examples. We already spoke about how we today have, uh, you know, a couple of uh, many, many funds, five to eight different mutual funds. But, you know, the system is much more than just the funds. So the regulator, i.e. SEBI, has been making disclosures of non-financial information, i.e. disclosures and governance and other factors mandatory 
they've now raised, uh, you know, the disclosures to be made uh, by from 500 companies. They've now raised it to almost a thousand companies. We are already beginning to see uh, uh, some homegrown ESG ranking providers because up until uh, these uh, homegrown ESG ranking providers came, you only had the global ranking providers, i.e. MSCI and Sustainalytics. But now we have some homegrown ESG ranking providers uh, come up as well. Uh, even more importantly, I'm very encouraged to see that Indian industry associations like Wiki have formed ESG committees on how to help their members, i.e. Indian industry, become more ESG aware. And uh, I, I happen to be on that committee, so I actually uh, see the kind of progress and the kind of work that is being done over here. So all stakeholders, investors, regulators, corporates, and industry associations are beginning to come together. While a lot of work still needs to be done, the start is encouraging. And now what we should be expecting, and I hope that this happens, the Reserve Bank of India also needs to make climate disclosure risks mandatory for Indian banks. Because remember, India is one of the most uh, climate vulnerable countries in the world. And it is imperative not only for the corporates, but the Indian banks to start disclosing climate-related risks. Uh, and I think, you know, risks need to be measured because you can only manage what you measure. So we do hope that, you know, RBI also comes in as SEBI has, as corporates have. Uh, and, you know, we would like to see the ESG funds in the country, the mutual funds, the AIFs, all the ESG investing funds, uh, we need to disclose their carbon footprint as well. Because investors who are investing in ESG need that transparency. Because if India is such a climate vulnerable country, investors need to know the carbon profile of the mutual funds that they are investing. So uh, we do hope that, uh, you know, as the ESG system evolves, uh, the RBI comes in, as I mentioned, and the ESG funds start to increase the transparency levels on what ESG means and what is uh, the philosophy of how they are incorporating and integrating the ESG factors. That's very interesting uh, thought, Abhay, and I hope RBI would be listening and uh, kind of making some regulatory changes with climate change transparency with the banks. Uh, but if I have to uh, shift focus to the Indian uh, Indian companies, you have been working on the fund closely with the companies at least for the last two years. So how do you see Indian companies uh, being rated on the ESG parameters, how good or bad they are, and uh, where are the gaps? Uh, it's very, very interesting. You know, around two years ago, when we launched our ESG fund, when we pioneered, uh, you know, ESG investing in India, uh, you know, companies were not as ESG aware. And when we used to speak to many of these companies, uh, we used to, you know, not necessarily highlight the importance 
of uh, many of these ESG variables. But in the last two, of course, the larger companies were, but you know that was just the very large companies, and in many cases, most of the multinational companies who were embracing, uh, you know, the ESG philosophies of their global parents. And there were certain Indian, large Indian companies which were doing it. But what we are beginning to see in the last two years is that the ESG awareness is increasing across the capitalization curve. The larger companies uh, want to increase the level of transparency, the levels of non-financial disclosures. But it's very encouraging to see that many of the mid-cap companies too uh, want to disclose this information. Now, this uh, makes it a virtuous cycle where companies disclose more, investors then you know, invest in companies which are seen as uh, ranking high on sustainability and ESG parameters. So, so I, think, I think this is beginning to increase. Uh, uh, what I would also like to say, however, that ideally we would like to see more disclosures so while the disclosures around governance factors are excellent in India, and I think full credit here to the regulator, uh, we do need to see more disclosures on social parameters, on gender diversity, on what companies are doing to improve gender diversity. Uh, and we also need to see more disclosures on carbon emissions. And I think this is extremely relevant because the entire world, including India, is going to be signing on to net zero pledges. And India, being a climate vulnerable nation, uh, you know, will need to will need to address this, and I am very confident that uh, India is probably going to announce a net zero to go net zero, a pledge to go net zero, well before the deadline of two thousand and fifty. So clearly, you know, when this announcement is made, there will be a scramble by investors to uh, you know gauge which companies are going to be impacted because the move to net zero will involve uh, you know, a lot of action. So therefore, uh, disclosures on carbon footprints, carbon emissions, carbon intensity, and how the companies plan to bring down their carbon emissions and intensity will become a determining factor in company valuations. Of course, disclosures and transparency is one of the, you know, are two backbones of the uh, responsible investment in in the in the world. Uh, but as you spoke about carbon air emission footprint, reducing the carbon uh, footprint, I want uh, you know you to uh, throw some light on what is the decarbonization market in India, and uh, uh, it's a very complex. Uh, you know, uh, it's a complex theme for investors to understand who are very nascent stage uh, investors. So if you could throw some light on decarbonization. Yeah, decarbonization uh, uh, world over, and I'll come to India in a bit, world over is slated to be the largest commercial 
an investment opportunity of this century. And I'm not just making big statements. I am basing it on fact. Our estimate, and this is based on the analysis from uh, data from the International Energy Association and various other reports, including the task force on climate disclosures, uh, you know, leads us to believe that the total size of the decarbonization opportunity globally is as much as 80 to 100 trillion. And I repeat, 80 to 100 trillion US dollars. And this includes the entire uh, gamut of uh, decarbonization, uh, including renewable energy, batteries, hydrogen, carbon capture, uh, etc. Coming specifically to India, the entire world is looking at India's decarbonization opportunity. Because if India has to commit to these net zero targets, and we think that India will make a commitment to achieve these well before the 2050 deadline, India's decarbonization opportunity, which includes again renewables, battery storage, electric vehicles, hydrogen, and carbon capture will be massive and off a global scale. In fact, just one area of decarbonization in India, i.e. renewables, will need to deploy more than $500 billion of investments to reach its 450 gigawatt capacity target by 2030. And this is an estimate by the Institute of Energy Economics and Financial Analysis. Uh, another body, the International Energy Association, estimates that for each product, each vertical that I just spoke about, India represents a sizable share of the global market. So the IEA estimates that India alone will be 10% of the global market for lithium-ion batteries, 15% for wind turbines, and 30% for solar energy. I repeat, this is India's share of the global market, 10% for lithium, 15% for wind turbines, and 30% for solar. And the IEA therefore estimates that over the next uh, few years, next decade or so, one in every seven dollars spent on these three types of equipment will be in India, uh, compared with one in 20 today, illustrating the scale of opportunity. That's a huge op opportunity that you just mentioned, Abhay. And um, I'm afraid we are actually running out of time. Uh, that's all uh, from our side today. Thanks a lot, Abhay, for giving those uh, insights, very interesting, deep thoughts. And thanks once again for giving us your time. Thank you very much for uh, giving us the opportunity to speak about ESG and sustainability, which we remain at Avendus very passionate about. Thank you very much. Thank you. For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at lifemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Nasreen Story. 
You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.